Welcome to the Cab Appropriate Podcast. I'm your host, Cliff Harvey. This song don't give a damn if the rhymes don't fit with the DJ quit. This song don't give a damn you can't sing or dance to it, can't romance to it. This song ain't arrogant if you don't try and buy it. Or if your radio denies it, don't care about what, who got, what's cool on TV, or what spots hot, I forgot. I ain't mad at evolution. Hi team, welcome to the Cab Appropriate Podcast where I talk to inspiring people in health, fitness, nutrition, business and the creative arts who are doing interesting things to improve performance and maximize human potential. Today I'm speaking to Scott Gooding, celebrity cook, personal trainer, all-round health and wellness guy. Uh, I originally met Scott through a ketone uh, speaking tour I guess I was doing in, in Aussie with Tony Freeman and Scotty was our celebrity MC for the Sydney event. Uh, we met and I thought, who, who the hell is this guy? Uh, <laughs> we got on and uh, I don't exactly know how things progressed from there, but I ended up writing the foreword for your latest book and we ended up doing a, a bunch of things together. And uh, now we've collaborated on your new program, Recondition Me. So welcome, Scotty. It's good to have you on, mate. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very good to be on. Thanks for having me. Um, that's quite a Quite an intro for your podcast. I hope I um I hope I fit the bill. <laughs> of course. The the cool thing is I, I know so many great people like yourself that I just basically call up my mates and say, Hey, do you want to be on a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna work with me on a new website? <laughs> exactly. That's how it works though, right? Well yeah, I, I think um you know, it kind of takes it's a bit of an older adage, but it, it rings so true that it takes a village to to make a difference, you know, like, and it's, this is something that um, Dr. Terry Walls mentioned to me a few couple of months ago, is that it, it, it literally takes a village to uh, instill a health epidemic, which I, yeah. quite, I quite like that term that she used, the health epidemic. Um, and so it takes me, you, uh, and thousands and countless other people to kind of promote a healthy message and I, and, I, and I love what you do over there and you have a, a great voice there and you have a, a growing uh, and respected voice in Australia so I'm, I'm it's privileged to know you. Cheers Scotty so you you um you mentioned Terry Walls and I, I will backtrack a little bit and get your bit more about your background and stuff in just a tick but I mean that's a that's a pretty big deal Terry Walls is a very well-known expert in the field of you know autoimmune conditions and MS and all sorts so what what was going on there um yeah I will like to I do like to name drop by the way so uh, <laughs> that's just the start of sort of a few um yeah she she came out last month and did a couple of of well she actually had a pretty grueling schedule but there were two sort of live events that she did uh one in Melbourne one in Sydney uh and I guess it was to present her ethos and her philosophy and her findings around real food being the solution to autoimmune condition. You know, she she was diagnosed maybe 12 years ago with MS and yeah. went on this sort of very 
rapid decline in in um, in health. She ended up she ended up being or going from a black belt in uh, taekwondo to being in a wheelchair and being pretty incapacitated. Uh, and so she went on this path of finding out the specific minerals that she was deficient in that were common in her condition and other sort of autoimmune um, conditions. And so started to supplement with, with those minerals and then took it to another level in that she was like, well, surely I can find those minerals in real food. And so she mm. started mapping out this kind of real food protocol that, that plugged all the holes that needed plugging. And sure enough, you know, not overnight, but over weeks and months and certainly years, like her, her health transformed. And now she's in this beautiful privileged position to kind of go around the world talking about her, her findings. Uh, uh, so she's a, she's a doctor of nutrition. Um, and I was lucky enough to be on stage with her for her gig in Melbourne and Sydney. And to me, that was a, a real privilege. I, I remember watching her TED talk that she did yeah. that I found found very inspiring like years ago. I watched that maybe seven or eight years ago. Um, and so to be on stage with her, well, to meet her first and foremost was a privilege and then obviously to share share time with her on stage was, was great. Yeah, it's interesting because there are people like Terry and like, uh, you know, Peter Atia and all these people who really i mean they're they're self-experimenters right and mm. a lot of times because of that people in academia will kind of look down on them and say well you know they're not doing real research they're just playing around with ideas for themselves but terry wall's protocol has been influential for so many practitioners and th there's no doubt that it's led a lot of people to do further research it's led a lot of practitioners to really change what they're doing in their protocols and it's helped i don't know thousands millions of people mm -hmm. but but the interesting thing is had she not if she had not the credentials that she does she would have got a lot more flack than she she currently does so she was actually um i don't know what the what the correct term is but the ms society kind of shunned her they were like what what you're advising and advocating is contentious it's dangerous and so she was she was barred from the MS society. So wow. The very condition that she's trying to support and provide a solution for for so many thousands of people across the world have actually barred her. They have since sort of retracted that a little and they actually let her present. They gave her a, uh, a five minute slot at their most recent <laughs> at the most recent sort of annual convention thing. I don't know. Uh, hey, and, hey Scotty, and, that's your five minutes up, mate. Oh, um, is it? <laughs> we're, we're done now. I'll see you later. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to talk about Terry Walls. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, uh, yeah, they gave her five minutes. And even during that five minutes, she was, she was telling me that the Q&A after, she was sort of bombarded with this line of questioning that was very sort of um, lots of scrutiny. What you're doing is dangerous. This could lead to sort of um, harming families, could lead to suicide just really alarmist kind of reactions to what is essentially an eating plan that I adhere to, you adhere to. Like, it's just real food. It's not, it's not wild. It's not, 
you know, it's it's not outside the box. It's just very sort of in line with paleo or primal, whatever the tagline is. Yeah. But essentially, it's just embracing veggies, eating some offal if that's your choice, uh, and some good quality protein. And so it's just so I, I guess my point was or is that it surprises me that someone gets so much flack and Pete Evans is in this barrow too. Um, but had, if she didn't have the credentials that she does, i.e. Uh, a researcher and a doctor in nutrition, she, she'd probably be um, not where she is today. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like public reaction yeah. or in the industry reaction. And I think it's, it's interesting because people conflate um, what does that you know mean? what what is different to <laughs> that's right, mate. <laughs> People conflate what's different to current practice with <coughs> you know truly alternative or you know quackery. And I would say, in some respects or in some cases, people are justified in doing that. If you're talking about a, a David Wolf or someone like that, who I, I believe literally says some things that are, are dangerous, right? as compared to someone like Terry Walls, who is a practitioner and researcher, and is, as you say, telling people to eat a diet based on a compendium of natural unprocessed food. Mm. I mean, every bit of literature, every bit of evidence tells us that that's the most appropriate thing to do anyway. Mm. So there's no conflict there, but people create a conflict because it's not whatever it's not standard best care best practice which may not be evidence-based anyway yeah i think yeah I, i'm bemused by that kind of dialogue and narrative to be honest and I, and I think it stems from practitioners adhering to current guidelines guidelines that sort of fit that food pyramid and so anything that comes that opposes that or flips that or attempts to flip that on its head and suggests that Maybe we shouldn't be having uh, such an abundance of grains and and um, and cereals and that type of foods, high carbohydrates, and maybe we should be embracing fats and in particular those fats that have been demonised since the fifties. So I think it becomes it comes from that kind of um, yeah practitioners, clinicians, sort of really holding on tight to those current guidelines and. And so if someone comes in and opposes that, then it kind of undermines what they've been doing or what they are doing and what they have been doing for their whole professional career. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's prudent to sort of, you know, take a step back. If, if that's your stance and you're following the, you know, you're adhering to the, the current guidelines and that's the, that's the prescription. Then maybe it's time to kind of take a step back and look at the the bigger picture. I think. Yeah, I mean, constantly reevaluate, right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, Otherwise, you're, you know, you're a piece of granite. Like you, you've got to constantly <laughs> read and 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 you Mate, know. I'm, I am a piece of granite. <laughs> you're fucking huge. <laughs> so, Scotty, that that's an interesting like line of thinking because you came from. A cardio and carbs background, right? Mm. And then sort of moved into the the cooking, gained some sort of notoriety around that, and moved through sort of paleo into probably sort of paleo keto. How how did that journey kind of work out for you? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, years ago, I used to. I, I get asked this type of question quite a bit, and I and I. I'm sorry. I, no, no, it's. <laughs> I haven't actually been asked it in that way, but I guess I've always tried to eat healthy with the information that I've had at the time. Yeah. So I can look back and go, wow, you were kind of way off back then compared to what I know now. But at the time, I was like, well, this is what's healthy for me. So, yeah, going back um, early 2000s up until 2007, I think, or 2005, I, I used to be a runner. I used to run. I used to train like indiscriminately, so running, biking, swimming, not much strength stuff at all. Um, I probably had – it was just strive to be the fittest man on the planet. Um, <laughs> but at the at at consequence of my health. Um, yeah. So I slowly was driving myself into the ground, and then my back gave way, uh, and I, I ruptured discs in 2005. And then for the next seven years, I was on this kind of fucking, you know, hamster's wheel of pain, inflammation, frustration, uh, mood disruption, um, depression. It was it was a pretty ugly cycle, and I'd sort of checked out of of life. Like it wasn't it wasn't fun anymore. You know, you'd walk into a room and you'd scan the room and check out what seating there were. were you know, would was it bench seating? Did it have a back to the, before you've even said hello to the the guy that you, you're going to meet? Like you, you, you just your your life is kind of um, you, your back kind of in your pain occupies your your life and your world. Yeah. So in that seven years, I, I I thought the path to fix my back and to get my life back was through uh, a mechanistic process. So massage. Uh, acupuncture, uh, manipulation. It, I, I, I saw every modality possible uh, until at the end of the seven years, I was like, fuck, there's nothing that's going to fix me. And I, I, I kind of had had enough at that point. So I started to think, well, there's got to be more to this picture than what is currently or the, 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 through the lens that I'm looking at. So I started to read around nutrition and food and how food can be anti-inflammatory or pro-inflammatory and that kind of led me onto the path of, of paleo mm. uh, and then and so slowly over time uh, I believe my inflammation my systemic inflammation uh, helped my back condition and so I started to get uh, you know the, the the pockets where my back was was pain-free started to elongate and the 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 periods of which I was in aggravation and inflamed started to recede and, and slowly they started to, to join up. And so over, over months uh, and certainly years, I, I regained mobility and I'm pain-free and, and now I don't even associate myself as being a victim of back pain. And, and, I, and I seriously believe a, a great deal of that has come through nutrition. Um, and, and obviously training in a, in a smart and effective way, but um, a large part of that is nutrition, I believe. Yeah, so did, did the food for you and, um, and cooking in particular, did that come as a result of that process or had you already done some training in 
in cooking or in um, sort of the culinary arts or anything like that? No, I, I guess the cooking, I, my mum and dad ran pubs in London for like 40 years. All right. So there were always busy kitchens, um, you know, invariably that busy that if I wanted something to eat for lunch or dinner, I would have to jump in and make it myself. Uh, so I, th- I think by almost osmosis and getting in and getting your hands dirty, I, I sort of learned these very basic skills and um, the basics around understanding flavour and what what um, herbs and spices go together and the such and how to make a very basic stew or casserole. Um, and then... I guess it it collided around the, the same time at the end of that seven year period where I did start to look at food as being medicinal and potentially helping my back. I, I, you kind of realise that if you keep eating out, whether it be at a restaurant or a cafe, you're compromising your health, and the only way that you can be an absolute custodian of your own health is to cook at home because you know explicitly what's in that dish from the herb to the spice to the broth to the meat to the whatever you know you can dissect that dish and you can stand by every ingredient so I guess it started at that point I started to cook more at home I started to embrace uh, you know anti-inflammatory foods and, and sort of limit the the pro-inflammatory foods, and and it and it made a massive difference over weeks and months. And so, what what then caused the leap to to go into telly and to you know write your books? Uh, were other people saying, "Dude, you're you're a pretty awesome cook," or was that just something we said, uh, "Fuck it, I'm going to uh, give it a crack"? <laughs> uh, a bit of column A and column B. So it it I realised as a PT so. 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, I was a PT in Bondi. And I'm doing okay. Like I'm, I'm getting, I've got some boot camps happening and, and everything's cool. But, but I realised that there's a ceiling to, and, or a limit, shall we say, as to how far and wide you can spread your message. Um, and so I was like, well, how, how do I, I, I remember, I don't know whether you guys are familiar with Michelle Bridges over there. But Michelle Bridges has this sort of online program, yeah. 12, 12 WBT. And I was like, I want something like that, something that can get into the homes of thousands of Australians or New Zealanders that will help them. I can't see all these people in the park. It just doesn't, doesn't work like that. How can you spread your message around uh, exercise and nutrition uh, as efficiently as possible? So... Um, I mean, I don't know how much of this stuff you need to know, but I, yeah, I, I went on down this path of getting a uh, a PR company, and there was like, you know, there's there's no real guarantees of success with that sort of stuff. It's all a bit beige, and uh, there's lots of uncertainty. And she was like, you know, we can get you in magazines, we can get you on TV, and and looking back now, there's no fucking way they would have been able to, able to do that. I was just like a well, I mean, I still am a no one, but back then I was even more of a no one. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the opportunity came to go on My Kitchen Rules. And so I was like, well, this is a, an unreal uh, opportunity to 
showcase to Australia and whoever else wants to listen that healthy food can be exciting and it can be and it can be delicious. I think for a long time, and I don't know where it stemmed from, um, there's this sort of association to healthy food being a bit bland and a bit tasteless. Yeah. You know, conjures up images of mung beans and alfalfa sprouts, but. <laughs> You know, I'm sure the foods, well, I know the foods that you eat and I know the foods that I eat tick both the health box and the the taste box, you know what I mean? Like there's no sense in making health healthy food if it tastes like, if it if it doesn't excite you and it doesn't entice you into the kitchen. There's no, there's that, that you'll fall off the wagon so quickly. You have exactly. to, this is such a, I, I was talking about this yesterday. Like that's the, as big a missing piece of the puzzle as as I can, we can choose to mention, we all know that we should eat more veggies. We all know that we should eat good quality protein and fish. But if you don't treat it in the manner that it deserves to be treated, if you don't make it exciting and sexy and delicious, then you've kind of missed the opportunity. Because, you know, take a bowl of blanched veggies, for example. If you present that to your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend or, or your kids, like they're not going to get through it. They're not going to – their <laughs> eyes aren't going to light up. But if exactly. it's the treatment. So if you cook in fat, add fat to them, bit of salt, squeeze a lemon, tahini dressing, salsa verde, chimichurri, there's all these really simple, effective, uh, affordable ways to make real food taste amazing and i think that's that's a huge missing piece of the puzzle i think um knowing that a squeeze of lemon or a dash of salt simple simple as that will lift yeah. the dish and so help you adhere to eating real food and adhere to eating healthy food exactly i mean one of the things that i it still baffles me is this idea that comes through and particularly in the bodybuilding circles of you know food is not there for your entertainment it's there as fuel and i think that's crazy because of course it's fuel but it's also one of our biggest enjoyments it's our biggest entertainment probably i mean for me i, I think about my next meal constantly because yeah. i love eating yeah when i finish a meal i'm spewing because i know i've got to wait until you know <laughs> like it, it's, it, it's in our it's in our dna to cook and celebrate that you know with friends and loved ones and we've kind of lost that connection yeah. uh, we're in this age of convenience and packaged and processed food um, and a lot of what I, I talk about is sort of is building that bridge to reconnect us to 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 how our you know previous generations would have celebrated cooking and and food yeah uh, and, and I talk about this it's going to sound weird, but I talk about um, working your kitchen muscle. So many of us, as a consequence of the last few decades, haven't inherited the cooking skills that our mum and dad or our gran and granddad might have given us. So we've sort of, we consider the kitchen, uh, well, we have this attachment to the kitchen being um, where we make fuck-ups and disasters and, or we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to make something quite basic. So, but that's a narrative that you've attached to the kitchen, but you can unlearn that 
and attach a positive affirmation to getting back in the kitchen. And that just requires, like any new skill, a bit of discipline and a bit of um, patience and, um, yeah, just getting your hands dirty. Like start with something yeah. basic, do that again, do that again, do that again. It's a bit repetitious. Like don't try and be a, you know, Michelin star chef straight away. Like start with the basics. But it's about breaking down that fear and resistance that people have to cooking in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a poster up of, of a you in my kitchen and that entices me in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so, you yeah. said a I thought you said a you and I thought you were speaking to the um the New Zealand audience, you know, a female <laughs> sheep. And I was thinking, well, that's that's interesting. No, I wouldn't be so rude. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, you make a good point because I, I think People are going to assume from the outset if they haven't done a lot of cooking, and I don't make any claims to be a great cook, but they're going to have this uh, baseline where they think it's going to it's going to be really complicated, and it has to be complicated in order to be enjoyable. But at the end of the day, you know, there's not much better than a a piece of well seared meat seasoned with salt you know there's yeah. very simple things that are so satisfying comforting satiating all the things we really want yeah. and if people can learn just some some simple techniques it makes everything flow yeah I, th I think it's it's the same the same rules apply or the same strategy applies to when you're learning anything new like just do it and do it again and get that positive feedback you know, there might be a time where yeah. you, you stuff it up royally and it all has to go in the bin. But I would argue that's, that those moments <laughs> are pretty few and far between. I eat it anyway. I make myself. I like no, nothing goes to waste. <laughs> yeah. But, I, yeah, I, I think it's a, an important reminder that we're not all supposed to be good at everything. And I think if you're, if you've, if you've labelled, this is an important thing, it's about labelling. And I think if so many people... And I only say this because I've had the privilege to go around Australia, whether it's the cities or regional Australia, and I hear time and time again that I can't cook or I'm a shit cook or, you know, whatever I cook is disastrous or I don't know what to cook. And these are all just labels. And so yeah. working your kitchen muscle is just essentially getting in, be prepared to get your hands dirty, uh, bit of planning, bit of preparation, um, and, th and there's tricks and tools to, to make that a smoother, smoother process. Like if you need something to get you excited about being in the kitchen, then maybe get a new chopping board or some new knives or, you know, poster of Cliff Harvey up on the wall. Do, do whatever it takes to get you excited about being in the place that is going to be the lever to help us out of this health epidemic because we all know that we should be eating better yeah but it, it's got to start from home like it's got to be home cooked food because every time you outsource your food whether it's the 7-eleven or the local um cafe around the corner or deliveroo or uber eats you're relinquishing control of your health that restaurant on the corner that cafe uh that 7-eleven they don't with 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 the exception of a few brands and companies, they don't give a shit about your health. They they want to make money and they hopefully want to produce a good product or service. But but your health isn't 
top of their priority, but it should be the top of your priority. So yeah. cooking with love at home, with real food, with respect, I believe is the is the lever to help us out of this um, health epidemic. So that, I guess that was the motivation behind the the books, right? You, you've written what eight books or something? Um, yeah, the uh, yes, eight. Uh, the, the eighth one's out later this year. Okay, so the, the earlier ones were re making paleo, you know, paleo primal style cooking and eating simple, right? Yeah, um, and look, we did, I, I co-wrote them with another guy, and look, we didn't hit the mark every time. Uh, and I, I can't even look at those books anymore. Like I'm, you know, I've seen them so many times, and there's so many recipes in there that I'm like, oh. Um, but that being said, at that time, at that 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 moment in time, um, I think you know, paleo was growing, and, and people were sort of confused as to to what that was. So hopefully in some small way, um, I contributed to, to giving people variety and choice around cooking with real food and sort of adhering to a paleo, yeah. paleo protocol. Well, that, that's testament to, to evolution, right? I, I remember uh, my, my mentor, Dr. Ian Brooks, um, he was New Zealand's biggest selling business author. He, he told me that if you're not embarrassed by your books several years <laughs> later you haven't grown so you know i look back at my earlier books and just i, I mean I, I wanted to take them out of print because yeah. i've moved on a, a lot and there's so much there that just seems naive now yeah but i, th I think you know that extends so so a book is uh reflective or represents your thoughts and feelings at that moment in time yeah, and so you, when you learn new stuff and evolve over, you know, so your talks, your presentations would have evolved uh, over over months and years. Um, but that's kind of what I'm trying to say is, yeah, a, a book is kind of set in stone. It's it's yeah. there for all to see, um, and and I think yeah I think there needs to be some sort of empathy and compassion for yourself at that time. It's like well this is the knowledge that I had at the time, and I thought that it was the best prescription at the time. But if, again, if you if you don't evolve through study and and research and and listening, and then you're a piece of you're a piece of granite. And I know you are, but you're still evolved, <laughs> so you kind of don't. You, you're kind of a, an outlier there. Yeah. So, uh, you, and you moved on from there to write the um, your book. What sort I of led that, you? Yeah. You moved on from from that series, and then uh, doing a bunch, you know, more work, and then uh, ended up doing a ketogenic diet book just recently. Yeah. What took you from? And I'm not so I'm not going to pigeonhole you and say you're a keto guy because I know more than that. I know you're not just a keto guy. But what led you from that sort of paleo primal lifestyle into looking more into keto? I, I guess really understanding the 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 paleo diet. Like I, I'll and you might argue the toss here, but I, I think. When you're looking at a purist ancestral diet, 
for most parts of the year, with the exception of, of particular regions and particular seasons, most of our ancestors would have experienced a high-fat diet. Yep. Do you agree? Yeah, well, I'd say on balance, um, it, you know, it was very common for people to be in and out of ketosis and they yeah. would have gone long periods of time being very low carb. And obviously there's there's massive regional variation in that and that's really the yeah. biggest thing. Latitude pretty much defines carb intake anthropologically. Mm. Um, but it's fair to say, and I've made this point, as you know, time and time again in, in lectures, is that basically every hunter-gatherer population that's ever been studied eats less carbohydrate than the modern dietary prescription. Yeah. So going back to the books, I, I now look at those books, and I, and I guess this sort of happened uh, prior to my latest book, The Keto Diet. I started to look at some of those recipes, and although they've ticked a few boxes, i.e., you know, real food and eat the rainbow and um, – but they, some of them are still kind of carb heavy. So lots of sweet potato, um, you know. So I, I think there's. I just thought that well, there's more, more to be refined, and I think that's kind of what led me to the keto diet. And so you said earlier on that lots of people, and you looked at some of the programs that were out there that were serving lots of people i guess mm. and now you're doing that right you've launched recondition me mm -hmm. so t tell um because i know a little bit about it i've been involved just a, a little <laughs> bit but um tell everyone out there what what recondition me is um well i guess top line it's an eight week uh, online health program so it's got everything that you probably expect from an online program in that it's got workouts and meal plans um, it's got some mindfulness coaching, uh, but it's also got a, a, a psychologist who talks about mindset, so unlearning negative patterns of behavior and association around food and exercise and health. And obviously it's got yourself who, you know, describes the why and, and gets digs a little bit deeper around nutrition. But to me, I mean, that's a huge piece of the puzzle the nutrition component not just giving meal plans and recipes that people can customize like that's a piece of, piece of it obviously but you've got to understand the the mechanism you've got to understand the why behind that that sits behind that because essentially i want people to to join up and then go on this journey at the end of their eight weeks they pop out the other side and they know intuitively what to eat how to cook but then they're not having to jump on someone else's program or protocol so you've got to provide people with the with the why and the how and you're the why you, you break down what's important in a very simplistic way and I provide the the recipes in my mind that kind of just sit over the top of your message but the reason um, and potentially why my program sits uh, you know there's there's a few programs that probably from a from an untrained eye look look the same 
but the reason well my point of difference is that it there's a strong focus on mindset now i, yeah. I don't i can't talk about mindset i'm not a psychologist i have a a, a sort of very brief sort of not brief but i have a very small kind of uh insight as to mindset i was a pt for for 15 years i i i've seen and heard lots of excuses about why i can't do this and why i can't do that um i've seen clients be on this sort of circular um treadmill never really getting anywhere have have glimpses of success and then circle back around and present with the same obstacles or resistances to adhering to a healthy lifestyle so to me that's as big a part of the picture as the nutrition or the or the mm. workouts so i'm not in a position to talk about psychology so hence why i've got glenn mcintosh who that's his bread and butter that's that's what he talks about day in day out and it's really kind of giving people the tools to to make informed choices and unlearning patterns of behavior that are, that have that have that are keeping them in a in a landing holding pattern in a yeah. holding pattern so again sort of over a decade of of seeing clients and friends and family um sort of never really adhering long term yeah like to the point where you know it's habitual to the point where you know intuitively what to eat what to shop for how to cook when to train how to train and so i hope and i'd like to think that recondition me is in many ways providing uh, a solution for that you know it's it's got it's got the why behind nutrition it's got the how behind nutrition but it's also breaking down those barriers that people have the associations with food the self esteem um you know with the mindfulness component you know we talk about self love and compassion and and all those types of topics because adhering to a healthy lifestyle before it comes habitual there's lots of obstacles there's lots of resistances that we've had for exactly 5 10 15 20 all our life and so that takes a lot of hard work that lots of unlearning unlearning something is is as hard as learning something so harder. oh harder yeah um and so it's it's been a long time coming this is something that's been in my my head for the last 5 years um and arguably over those 5 years i've been in some way frustrated that it hasn't happened sooner but you know what like i'm i'm so proud of it coming out now because had i done it 12 months ago you wouldn't have been on it glenn might not have been on it i might not have met nira who's the mindfulness coach so it things happens for things happen for a reason and now you know i've got this amazing program with these fantastic contributors who are all experts in their field um and ultimately it's going to provide that solution for so many australians and new zealanders and whoever else and i think that's you know uh, uh, the the concepts of integration and in health i think are often paid lip service to you know and i think uh, something you've done really well is to 
start with a function of integration, right? So you've got the, the good nutritional advice behind it. You've got um, Glenn and Nera, you know, you've covered off all those bases. And even within the people in the team, from what I've seen, there is that symbiosis of theory into application, but that, that's also encapsulated with caring. You know, and the reason I say that is you, you mentioned the word intuitive a lot, you know, becoming intuitive with what you're doing. And I guess what we're really saying there is that becomes your natural state of being. And I think now there's a bit of a dichotomy because some people look at that and they elevate that without necessarily um, being fully aware of the fact that people do need to actually still do something. You know, they still need to make changes. They need to actually have the tools there to make the changes as well as having the mindfulness and all the empowering aspects around it. On the other hand, some people just say, oh, well, you know, you just give someone a diet and they've just got to stick to it and exercise their willpower and they'll be fine. And of course we know that doesn't work. So where's that caring middle ground where you can basically, you know, practice the compassion and work with someone, help to empower them through nourishment and, and challenge, but also through that challenge, say, hey, here's you've got to do something. You know, we yeah. actually do need to move. We do need to take that little bit of extra time to prepare something, but that becomes habitual and it's fine. And I think the, the biggest thing is, like you say, mindset. I think if you can sh shift your mindset from thinking, I need to beat myself up with exercise to be smaller, and I need to starve myself with food or with lack of food to be smaller to a situation of I need to nourish myself to feel amazing and want to move and then challenge myself with interesting exercise. You know, that they're poles apart in terms of the mindset. Yeah, I I don't know whether it's a, it's reflective of the, the times we live. Like people want a quick fix and a quick solution. Um, but it's it's not going to happen. Like I consider myself pretty healthy, but that, and and that's come at that's come of years of sort of uh, trial and error and and testing. You know, being treating myself as a case study and reading and uh, but also a long history of, of training and sort of having yeah. a certain level of uh, respect for my health. But but for many people it. It might seem alarmist or confronting or elitist to, to live a healthy life, which is why circling back around to recondition me, it's like here are as many tools as I can currently find for you to to make the changes. There's there's no sense. I mean, you look at the workouts that I've prescribed. I I would like to think that um, because because broadly speaking. You know, I don't, it's nutrition that's the lever to health. It's not fitness. So there's not a huge focus on the workouts. I only prescribe th three a, three a week. Um, but I'm not going to bust your balls. I'm not going to. There, there's stuff that hopefully we can all do. Obviously, there's varying tech, um, intensities. But I want you to do this. I, I don't want to put you off. Is 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 the thing? If you're if you're new. Yeah to exercise so i talk about debbie from from dubbo so there's this fictional woman who lives in dubbo she's got two kids 
She's in her late 30s. Um, she hasn't got access to fancy gym equipment. Um, she doesn't really know much about health and nutrition, but she wants to. She wants to make good. She wants to, you know. She's just starting to be, wake up with aches and pains, and she's put on a few pounds. So she wants to have a bit of a health transformation for her and her family. Debbie Google's best diet or best workout for weight loss. But can you imagine the the <laughs> contrasting and conflicting information that she'll be presented with? Like that's a yeah. fucking minefield. Yeah. So for me, I don't want to prescribe Debbie a workout plan that she's going to do one or two sessions or two weeks at best and go, fuck, I'm out. That's way too hard. Uh, I'm sore all over. Equally, I don't want to prescribe a diet and an eating plan that is calorie-restrictive, um, tastes like shit, you're eating for energy, you're not eating for, for enjoyment because um, you're going to fall off that too. You're going to – so you, you want to make food that tastes and look good. You want to make exercise to be – you know, if I, I think a play should be a huge part of exercise. Like if you can find a sweet spot yeah. between – um, enjoyment and, and and having enough stimulus to kind of induce some sort of uh, a positive effect, then, then that's that's the money. Um, yeah. It typically you, grows, right? It's like we've talked about with meditation. You know, I remember we, I think it was on your podcast, we talked a little bit about meditation and I told you about my sort of one-minute meditation. Yeah. That grows to two minutes, that grows to three minutes, that grows to 10 minutes to 20 minutes over time. And it feels like that the person doesn't feel any real difference between one, two, three, four, five, up to that. Doing that consistently every day, they're growing into the habit of doing it. Just like if you, you know, my adrenal, what people call adrenal fatigue, I don't um, really agree with that term, but my fatigue clients, I might start them off doing one push up, one squat. Mm -hmm. And the next, Next day, they'll do two push-ups, two squats. You know, before they know it, they're, they're back to full physical fitness again. Yeah. So this is a, a beautiful case in, case in point. When we met for that podcast, I don't know when that was, a year ago, maybe a year and a half, <clears throat> we talked about mindfulness and meditation. And up till then, so 41 years of, of hearing about meditation friends who meditate regularly knowing that it would help me in in many ways but i just had this block i just had this resistance no i you know i can't quieten my mind i don't have time um but i, I find time i talked about this on the day i find time to train i find time to to shop for good food and cook and spend time with friends and family i can find time for that but I can't find time to meditate. It's 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 ludicrous. So you you suggested that I meditate for one minute a day, and and we it, joked. It almost about, sounds ridiculous, right? Yeah, <laughs> but we joked about it. But that I think it was that night. I remember I was in a hotel room in in I can't remember where I was, but I just sat in the chair in the hotel room and I was like I put my timer on, and I thought well. I, can, I reckon I could do one minute. So I sat there, knocked out one minute, and just as you suggested, every day just added a minute. 
and soon enough you're doing 10 you're doing 15 and 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 the very act of doing that every day at some point it becomes part of your regime it becomes part of i don't even like that word regime because it kind of suggests that it's i don't know but <laughs> it, it becomes habitual is what i'm trying to yeah. say and now, and now it's just part of my landscape and and now the beautiful thing is that i've learned that from you and i'm sharing that with with my audience that's awesome so you you mentioned sort of regime, you know, you don't like that word, but I, I I really like the idea of morning routines, for example. You know, I use those a lot with my clients. I'm a big fan of my own morning routine. Do, do you have uh, something or a set of things that you do each and every day? Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. I I I wake up. I'm lucky <laughs> That's enough. That's a good start. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Wake up every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, I if I wake up, I'll high five myself. And, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm lucky enough, and this certainly wasn't the case for for many years because I had to get up to a very early alarm. But I'm I'm lucky enough at the moment that I don't set an alarm, so I wake up naturally. Um, I'll have a shower. I grab a coffee. So I'll I'll walk down to my local coffee shop, grab a coffee, and then I'll train. After training, I'll have a steam, then I'll come back and, and have some food. But that to me is like, if I can start yeah. my morning um, with some form of, of exercise, and that's not the case every day, so four or five days a week I'll train, and there's certainly you know two or three days that I'll embrace the days off. Um, but I, I do like to have a steam or a sauna, um, and I've been doing that for for the best part of 20 years, I reckon, either wow. a steam or a sauna. Um, and a big part of that is is quiet time. Yeah. So let me tell you, an iPhone doesn't work very well in environments, <laughs> a steam or a sauna. Uh, and so, you know, that when I'm, when I'm walking into a steam or a sauna, I've trained, I've had a coffee. So, you know, I, I'm buzzing. So it's a time to kind of think about the day, um so it i can either depending on my mood and depending on my to-do list i can either use it as a time to to quiet the mind and just sit still or i can use it as a moment to go right what are the things that i need to get done today and so it's kind of to to, to be a a, a thought-provoking 20 minutes or 15 minutes yeah so what, what are um, some of your go-to resources for, for health or fitness, nutrition? Are there particular people you follow or are there some books that really influence you? Um, outside of you, you mean? <laughs> well, just, just plug my books and then we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, obviously you are, you know, all jokes, apart, all jokes aside, you are, you know, an influence in, in my messaging. Um, because I, I, you know, I don't want to pump up your tires too much here, but it, it's the attitude that you have as well as the, the key message points. And I think the same can be said for, for Mark Sisson. I like his attitude. Um, it's not dogmatic. It's not, um, black and white. Um, I think the moment it becomes dogmatic you run the risk of polarizing people. And I think once you've polarized them, you've kind of lost them. 
So there needs to be a little bit of compassion and needs to be a little bit of empathy for the end user that you're trying to communicate to. It can't, it can't be, it has to be this way. It has yeah. to be done. Like you're going to lose people. And so if, if the aim is to positively influence as many people as you can through health, then it has, it has to be delivered with compassion. Um, you know, for, for example, like I, I put a post up uh, this morning of a, a smoothie and I listed the ingredients um, and one person jumped on and said, that's all very well and good, but um, all those ingredients are super expensive and probably for the, the privilege. What about the people in the poorer areas? Um, which is a really good point. Um, yeah, but... <laughs> but... but it was a good reminder for me that um, those are the types of people who I do want to influence. And there's lots of other factors at play. You can't just say that it's it's a it's a um, it's a money thing, an economic thing. There's there's lots of other variables at play. Um, yeah. But it was a good reminder for me that that message that you're sharing needs to embrace everyone from all walks of life. And so. You know, there's there's players in our field that do have a dogmatic approach, and that fosters a almost like disciple-like following. Yeah, which which is, you know, that's I don't know, that's a whole another topic of conversation. <laughs> probably, <laughs> it's probably. I think in some respects, it's almost it's almost easier. You know, you create, and we we know those people. You create a cult of personality or a cult of brand, and that leads to people being very zealous for what you're saying. Um, but it, it's limited, you know, it's very limited because you can't then be pragmatic. As soon as you're dogmatic, you, can, you can't be pragmatic and you're going to be a hypocrite, full stop. Mm. Because at some point you're gonna be shown up. Mm. And I think that's where I've always wanted to, I, you know, you said it, I was gonna say exactly the word that you said, it, it comes down to compassion. Because I think if you're compassionate and you can understand that people are walking different paths and they're fighting fighting their own battles, you can't have a one size fits all prescription, and you can't say that what works for me is going to work for everybody or I know best. Because at the end of the day, you only really know best for you. And you know, you and I are still evolving. People say, right. "Oh, you know a lot about nutrition," and I I do, but I still haven't figured it out for myself yet. Hundred percent. You know, I'm still trying things out, and I've still got health challenges. You know, I still work with things. I was actually going to say that's really interesting. You're talking about the movement in the morning. Uh, we've been recently. We've got a new sort of routine of going for a, a long walk every morning, mm. and I've never really done that because it's always been my pattern to get up, do some stretches, do some meditation, and start my writing. Whereas now we're going for a long walk. Um, you know, Bella and and my dog and I, and the change in my mental health has been profound because wow. as you know, I have uh, bipolar disorder and I, I get pretty down and it's been seriously like night or like, like night and day. Yeah. Right. And so that's just an example of, you know, you have things pretty well figured out, but no one's got it completely figured out. You keep evolving, you keep learning and growing. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I I've evolved in terms of my, my delivery over the last few years i when i on the on the back of those books and the back of the show i guess i was so entrenched in 
paleo and I was so passionate about getting that message out there that I can recall presentations I was doing and, and talks I was doing and it was kind of no it's this way or the highway yeah. like if you choose to eat these foods over here then you know you know expect the consequences kind of thing and I didn't like myself saying it I could kind of hear myself saying it um and I've just softened over the last three or four years, four or five years, or probably last three years, um, and and for the betterment of of, of my brand, probably, um, you, you you don't know like exactly right, like you don't you know for you, but you don't know for Joe Blow on the street, you don't know what their you know thought process is, you don't know their physiology so to say you must work out like this you must eat this is a bit it's yeah it it lacks compassion and 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 empathy i saw that comment actually on your um instagram post and i i like you thought that was really interesting because it, it was a good call to action i thought to um to remember that there are people out there who can't afford those ingredients and things by the same token, I think it's interesting for another reason that... I, block, I blocked her, by the way. <laughs> Did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, it was also interesting because it's a good example of... And I thought that person was well-meaning and that you're obviously... Yeah, yeah, totally. So that, that's all good. Um, it's also interesting, though, when... Not in that instance, but sometimes people will seize on the, the one thing they see mm. and they'll think that's what you're all about. You know, and I've had exactly the same thing if I post about Lion's Mane coffee and I'll get a message saying, how can you post about that? People can't afford it. Right. It's like, well, that, that's not actually the point because people are going to benefit from it. I like it, so I'm going to post about it. What they're not seeing is or not paying attention to is all the other work that you might do, right? And I know that you do work with, with charity groups and you do a lot of work with the community and things like that, as have I and, you know, Mm. My, my entire career it's very easy for people to be hypersensitive to the things that trigger them and then try and pull you down based on that mm. I, i'm very lucky that i don't get much of that and I, I don't know why or how that's the case but you know touch wood that doesn't change but it does affect me like it if someone thinks that i'm promoting like uh, a the, for the health elite, then that's not that's not what I'm about. Yeah. To to me and to you, I'm sure you you end up being this conduit of of information, and some of that information is real grassroots and accessible for the masses. Some of it's like lines. Main is a bit sort of biohacky and and potentially uh, not affordable for the masses. But you you're just a conduit. You're just a a sharer of information. Take yeah. what you can. If it, if it works for you and stick stick with it if it doesn't let it go um but to sort of focus only on grassroots stuff or only on biohacking like you, you're losing or you're not you, yeah you're not you're not get, doing yourself justice i think yeah and i think that's probably why you don't get a lot of criti criticism in that respect because uh, i know that um Oh, it's because I'm massive and I've got tattoos. I think that's the case. <laughs> exactly. You got a you got a funny accent. People don't know what's, what, know what's yeah, going cool. on there. They're worried that um, 
if, if they say anything, you might fall over and flop around on the floor for a while. <laughs> it's funny though, because I think the the pragmatism actually deflects a lot of potential criticism because you know people want to get in a stoush, right? They want to get in a fight online and they they want to have a good set too. But if you're actually listening to people, you know, I, I had a post on my Facebook page uh, a week or so ago that got a lot of a lot of attention. Some really interesting <laughs> debate went on, and I found it really interesting because I wanted to hear what people had to say, right? I wanted to hear the criticisms and I wanted to be challenged because that's the way you you grow and become better. And I learned some really good lessons from that, and it it helps to make you more compassionate, right? But as soon as you take that approach where you're actually listening people, to people and saying, hey, that's a really good point, I, I'm going to consider that, then it diffuses them straight away because oh, they're like, I, I, I wanted to fight this guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did get one the other day and it said, um, uh, you have fangs, you must be a vampire. And to that I just wrote, you know, thanks for your input. <laughs> that's a weird comment. <laughs> Yeah, I was smiling in some photo. You've got fangs. You must be a vampire. Um, you know that, that that's a different type of thing. But um, yeah, I, I guess there's there was two. There was option A, option B to this lady's um, comment to, today, this morning, and I and I chose a response that you know serviced her or gave her compassion and gave her an. an uh, a voice you know i wasn't gonna it was, it was a great point i yeah. wasn't so it was a great know, point yeah i'd have to be very um self-centered and egotistical to kind of for my retort to 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 squash what she said and, and not take kind of any any um you know yeah uh, but you know we're living in this world of twitter social media like everyone has a voice and everyone can not not in this case that we're talking about but it's very easy to kind of hide behind a avatar yeah uh, people just want to some people just want to provoke and some people want to stir the pot uh, and I haven't got time for that to, to be honest and, and as I said I'm very lucky that I don't I'm not a victim of that and so you've you've obviously with this program done a lot more outside of you know just nutrition and training and i know that nutrition and training isn't everything in your life what are some of the the non-fitness or non-health books or people that have influenced you oh god um you had to know that one was coming <laughs> Um, oh, so non-health, non-fitness. Or you, you might or just, I might have got you wrong. You might just be all fitness all the time. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think about it a lot. It does occupy my, my, my brain bandwidth a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I admire people that, that do good. And I said, that probably sounds very cliched. Um, but I admire someone like Jamie Oliver. I think, you know, he, from our perspective, maybe he's not exactly on the money in terms of what he, the health message, but mm. he's talking to the masses 
and this is what I, we were just talking about about that grassroots level yeah he's talking about hey guys let's get back into the kitchen and cook up something yummy chances are that's going to be real food and veggies and i think he's done a phenomenal thing for not just the uk but all around the world in terms of encouraging people back in the kitchen um so i guess i mean that's not really a, a non-health related but that's that's a well, no, someone, I'm, who's someone who I, I admire yeah. and, and I know I do, I know I work with food and, and nutrition, but even if I didn't, even if I was a scaffolder, I would still have admiration for him because he's trying to do a good thing. He has a, he has a I guess it comes down to, and there's probably many, many examples of this. He's got a voice. He's got an, an elevated platform he's, and he's using it for good he's using it for the greater good and that's admirable you know he should be knighted oh, well he, he may well be i mean I, I agree with you i don't always agree with the message a hundred percent but i can't fault the guy for trying to change that that mm, food system yeah and particularly in the us you know uh, the thing that's required there is not for those millions of kids to get you know packaged paleo school lunches it's for them to not be fed as much processed crap mm. <laughs> that's exactly what he's doing so yeah. I mean, it's great work yeah you've got to at that point you got to you got to take the easy wins like there's no yeah. there's, and I, I talk about this quite a bit you got to know where you're your entry point is and you've got to know what to build your foundation on so if your entry point is eating refined crap lots of sugar then your entry point needs to be the foundation which is real food there's no sense in walking into a health food store grabbing some supplements and grabbing some superfoods like that's the cherry on top yeah. like let's work on the foundation the foundation has got to be real food it's got to be cooking at home it's got to be an abundance of above ground veggies it's got to be all that kind of stuff there's no sense in you know taking a spoonful of turmeric or <laughs> you know biohacking and, and 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 all that jazz like that's for later down the track like work on the foundations like the foundations is is what's going to set you up for success exactly so scotty reconditioned me has launched now yes so we're, we're live that launched on sunday um so we're we're live and, and kicking which is very exciting it's been a, as i said earlier it's a long been a long time coming um but it, it's it comes with great relief that it's that it's up and it's out that's well, a it's a great program scotty so it's um people can find that at recondition.me right that's right cool all right, so everybody go and check out recondition.me um have you got any other big things planned in the next little while scott or is this your your focus for the next little while um well no I, I i do have a few things so i've got a book another book coming out in december so that'll be the companion the cookbook companion to the one that was out in january so that's the keto diet cookbook oh excellent uh what else uh i'm talking to i probably should no i'm not going to say it yes <laughs> <laughs> you keep, do keep Keep no, a few things yeah, close I, to your chest, mate. Yeah, but uh, needless to say, 
I work very hard to get a positive message around nutrition and exercise and health and well-being to as many people as possible. And so there's a few little things that, you know, if they if they come off, we'll sort of be service, servicing that kind of desire of mine. So, yeah, I, I don't want to be too explicit about it. Just I don't want to jinx myself. No probs. In the meantime, we will um, get uh, change as many lives as we can through recondition.me. And we look forward to your next book coming out. If anyone hasn't checked out the Keto Diet book, go and check that out too. Um, a really Just for the forward. Yeah, really, really handsome, uh, intelligent guy wrote the forward. So um, I think it's probably worth getting for that alone. You'll probably get that on the Kindle sample anyway. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, mate. All right, Scotty. Great chatting to you, mate. I won't take up any more of your time, but we'll hopefully get you back on the cast soon and chat about a whole bunch of other things. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. If you'd like to know more about what I do, go to cliffharvey.com. And remember, patrons get exclusive access to the live stream podcast. To sign up, go to patreon.com forward slash cliffharvey.